This episode of the Business and Games podcast has been brought to you by PLE Computers. Head to ple.com.au to grab yourself any of the latest gaming and technology products or grab yourself a completely pre-built gaming PC. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of the Business in Games Podcast. In this episode, it's a solo one, so you're going to be listening to just me, but once again, it is brought to you by PLE Computers. In this episode, I'll be talking about a few different topics. I'll be talking about three gaps in the ANZ esports market, something we've talked about quite a lot on the Business in Games Twitter and Facebook. You've seen a few videos and, and other content of me talking on there, giving a little bit of a teaser leading up to this. And I'll also be talking about making your start and making your way into the esports industry. It's mostly applicable to ANZ, which is Australia and New Zealand in this episode. However, with season two, we have many more international guests coming on board and some people who are able to give you a bit of a view on the esports scene as a whole. So, whether you're a brand looking to invest in the space, whether you're an investor looking to learn a little bit more about the market, or just a general player who wants to understand a bit more about the business behind what's going on, we'll be chatting about all of that. And don't forget here and the big podcast, we do talk about general gaming and also technology and stuff too. So thank you so much for listening into season one, and um, we hope you enjoy this belated season two. Thanks for tuning in. So jumping right into it, you know, there's there's something to be said for categorization and putting numbers against things. I'm not talking about, you know, the clickbait, you know, the seven top things you never thought would have worked in esports, number six will shock you. But it's just about making things a little bit easier to digest and understand. And what I mean by that is when I'm talking about gaps in the ANZ esports market, there's almost unlimited you know, I personally feel that there's so many different ways to make money in this market. The market is growing so fast, you know, globally and locally. There are so many different things happening day after day. There's different investment, different teams, sponsors coming in, endemic, non-endemic, etc. So, you know, it's I don't want you to think that by listening to this, there's only three gaps and there's only a few different ways for you to make money, get a job or such. However, these are three that are quite important to me and, and I feel they're quite important to the growth and expansion of the industry. You know, we love so much here in Australia, New Zealand. And kicking right into it, you know, number one is education and pathways. One of the issues right now I feel in Australian esports is there's no clear progression from Joe to pro. And I'm not talking about or discrediting any of the work that Gfinity has upcoming or Cybergamer or any of the amateur leagues, be they the, the female leagues or, or the mixed leagues, because they do a fantastic job of taking someone who's interested in esports, developing their skills, using Cybergamer as an example. You know, I've played in there myself in, in CGA and, and CGM, working my way up to P and then to CGPL to play live at events. So that's fantastic. However, the pathway before you're able to get into CGA or even into CGO, you know, there, there are some gaps in there. So if you think about cricket, for example, there's things like Milo Cricket or AFL has AFL Auskick. And this is helping educate people throughout school and build their skills and such to develop. We have seen some progression in this recently, which is fantastic in the form of flag test gaming. There's also been the Australian Esports League has announced their high school league and, and LPL doing the New Zealand League is coming over to Australia as well. So... Massive props to Riot Games for helping foster and promote some of those things and for Flagtest, AEL and LPL for doing their work. And obviously there's there's some more stuff to go. And 
you know, it's 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 important, I think, to say within the esports scene that even while there might be a couple of people attacking different issues from one angle, there's always more angles. If you think about it, a lot of people will say, there's no point in me becoming an influencer. There are so many influencers out there. It is true. However, if you're able to attack something from a different angle, then there's so much growth and, and so much things to be to be made. So if you look at this from an outside perspective, you could say there's no point becoming a lawyer right now. There are already so many lawyers and so many law firms. However, there's always a gap. You know, you might be the first law firm that looks specifically into esports. You know, in Australia, we've had people like Matt Jessup and and some others come in and, and, and start to do those things really well. Or you might be the first law firm that looks directly into housing crisis cases, et cetera, et cetera. So just because there are some people out there who are doing some things doesn't mean there aren't any gaps in the market. But if you are looking for a job or to look to help out with some of these things, there's there's so many different opportunities. Flak Test are always taking on applicants for volunteers. We've seen AL uh, building their university league and such, and, and the LPL are, are looking to expand over into Australia, and they're hiring different people like crazy. So getting back to my original point and, and rambling aside, I think it's it's important to understand the progression from Joe to pro, but also say child or child prodigy to, you know, accomplished professional gamer. I like to use the example of the US market. There's always so many examples of in the US children being scouted out at their local baseball field, you know, winning uh, a basketball scholarship. There are so many movies made around um, challenged youth winning a basketball scholarship to go through college to then enter the NBA afterwards, whether it be NFL, anything like that. If you're using even a localised example, growing up in, in a small city in Devonport, Tasmania, myself, being absolutely obsessed with cricket, I knew myself that I was able to play cricket at school. I was then able to play cricket from primary school to high school, go on to my local cult and then look at state and international. However, if you're looking at the esports side of things, it's it's nothing new to most people who listen to this podcast and know me that I'm very passionate about esports. However, my introduction was mostly accidental. I like to play Battlefield 2 a lot. Uh, while I was going through school, a lot of my mates played Battlefield 2. And I used to frequent this server quite a lot uh, in Battlefield 2. And I saw a guy on there playing very well one day and he had a clan tag on. And I just asked him over all chat, what what does a clan tag mean? What, what do you do with that? How do I become better at the game? Can I get in contact with you? I was able to add him onto Xfire, which was the instant messaging for, for gamers of choice in those days, um, you know, alongside MySpace, fantastic times. And, you know, ask him, directly these kind of questions and I ended up joining that team and becoming a much better player because of that and you find that with a lot of different times you know I'll do speeches at universities and schools and a lot of them will come up to me and say hey I really like playing Call of Duty I really like playing Street Fighter 4 I want to get better what is this esports thing and how can I become involved so if you're able to give some of those clear progression and pathways to be able to bring people up to speed or bring them up to the point where they have have the comfort and the ability to play in cyber game open leagues or or join the Infinity contenders and things like that to be able to develop some of their skills and and progress more as players you're going to have a much larger pool of people to come in altogether. There's been some fantastic things done in the US where we've seen different players who've picked up college scholarships to be able to, you know, go themselves through college playing League of Legends particularly. There are a few different things that do that. And, you know, we're seeing the collegiate programs are exploding. 
So in wrapping up this topic of, you know, going from Joe to pro or, or child slash child prodigy to accomplished professional gamer, there are still some gaps in the market for education, uh, resources to help promote these things. There are obviously some issues and hurdles to jump over. You know, you're, you're talking about people under 18 trying to work with them. You're talking about maybe blocks from their school or, or from their teachers or similar. So, you know, I'm not saying that there isn't any challenges in here whatsoever. However, it is a massive emerging market within the total emerging market of Australia. If you think about the amount of high schools, the amount of kids that play games at high schools, if you're able to to grab their attention, able to train them up in a sustainable fashion and, and help push them out into a world of esports, whether it be business or whether it be the player side of things, there is a big gap. So touching on the business side of things is something I haven't talked about. Obviously, at Business in Games here, we're very invested in promoting all things business, trying to grow the business knowledge and experience in the scene, whether it be through our Women's in Game mentoring courses, whether it be through our Business in Game mentoring courses for for both male and female or whatever you shall identify as, or running our live events, say our meetups and such. So there is also a gap for this in the market. If you're looking to exit out of year 11 or 12, you're not quite sure what you want to do afterwards. If you want to work in esports, there's no clear progression to then get a job at ESL, LPL, Gfinity, etc. What degree do you go into? You know, let's say, for example, you want to be a sponsorship manager coordinator. There are some slightly relevant things you could do. Say you could do a business development course, a business management course, and and things like that. However, there's no course necessarily that will say, okay, here are the jobs available to you in esports and such. So that's where some of the gaps are available too. And whether that's up to the schools to start implementing programs or people to start implementing after school type support or such within that scene, that's really up to you. But if that interests you, feel free to get in touch with us here at Business Engagement because that is something that you know we're really looking to fill and changing the topic slightly then looking into education as part of the people who are currently playing within the scene life after esports is very limited i had someone i used to sponsor many many years ago who played heroes in new earth for team tt and you know they were the second best team in the world and and his main advice when i was speaking to high school students at that time at the monash computer games boot camp that he wanted me to pass on was complete your degree before you get fully into esports. So using him as a test case, he was able to finish his electrical engineering degree, compete for a while on an international stage, and then transition out of esports when he lost, uh, you know, the passion or lost the ability, whatever whatever his reasons were, and he wanted to retire. He was able to then go into a proper paying job. You know, you see a lot of the time in the traditional sporting scene that that this can be an issue for some players too. Unless you're able to transition into being a fantastic commentator, take um. Ian Sniper-Turner, for example, who kind of transitions between commentator and playing slash coach sometimes, granted. Or, you know, you look at another Aussie icon being the former Sponge, you know, transitioning from a player into a commentator. If you don't have the means or the want or the ability to be able to be a great analyst or commentator, there are definitely a lot of limitations. You know, if you focused only on being a fantastic player at Counter-Strike from the age of 16 to 26, let's say you retire at 26, 27, it's, it's often hard for you to get into there because you've been so laser-focused on being a player, you haven't necessarily dealt with the sponsors, you haven't dealt with the team management, the facility, you haven't necessarily had a one-on-one lots of chats with the general manager or planned live media events or such because you, as a talent, as the player, have been focused on being a better player, which is perfectly fine. However, the life after that is hard. You know, these are limited lives. Looking in traditional sports, sometimes there are wealth management professionals who'll come in and, and help these kind of people. However, with esports, you know, especially in Australia and New Zealand, it is limited. You know, it's hard to manage 
wealth and and you know invest in proper stocks and bonds for when you get out or, or whatever you feel like investing in when when you get out of esports to be able to live off that and then plan your career afterwards because often there's there's low or no salaries and that's that's a realistic expectation for most people in here. So providing some education to people within esports is is an idea that's been brought to me by a few different people and I think it's another fantastic thing to look at. You know, whether you open up the players to have the ability to take on a role at their gaming organization after they retire. You know, that's been one thing that's been pushed forward to me or whether, you know, you're able to run training camps specifically for ex-pros or while people are playing. So this is another gap in the market. You know, if you if you do have any thoughts on this once again and, and about anything else I talk about today, feel free to message me directly at Smithy Mayo on Twitter or send a message to at Business in Games on Twitter or Business in Games on Facebook. I'd love to hear some of your thoughts around education and pathways. And like I said, there are some fantastic people who are looking at promoting the Joe to Pro and increasing the ability, the playing ability of people within this scene. However, there is some education around the business side of things that I'd love to see and I'd love to get involved in. So once again, if you have any knowledge or any interest in entering this scene, feel free to get in touch. If you've paid much attention to the OCE Twitterverse, as they call it, in, in, in esports, you know, obviously, the, the next topic that I'm going to be talking about can be a bit of a tumultuous one and, and can be one that's that's back and forwarded quite a lot. Point number two really is about teams. And, and this is the real hot topic at the moment in esports as a whole. A lot of the investment and, and a lot of the public perception is is put all around teams. We're seeing Gfinity start to pick up their franchise teams and, and in that scene, we're seeing a lot of stock being put on Bastion Investing in Avant, the Bombers. We're seeing Order with a private investment, um, the single smaller-ish private investment with Greyhounds Gaming Club with uh, King's Gaming Club and such as well. So, you know, there's a lot of development happening at space. However, there's obviously always more to go. One of the examples I love to use is that when when you think about a scene being crowded, you can start to to compare scenes within different industries. And I don't mean that you need to so much take a whole lot of stock on apples, apples to oranges. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you need to compare Australian esports directly to the English Premier League in football or soccer, as a lot of us call it here in Australia. However, if you compare like markets, so one of the examples I use is if you compare an Australian esports team directly to an AFL team, it shows how much growth and progression there still is to go in Australia. If you look at an AFL team, for example, they've got a whole lot of coaches. They've got people who are defensive coaches, attacking coaches. They've got a full slew of marketing staff. They've got their executive structure. You know, they're reporting up to to an overall governing kind of body, being the AFL. They've got players, reserve players, and such. And granted, these are people within one game. However, this is a sport that is only really in one country. It's the Australian Football League. You know, there's no um, New Zealand team that always flies across every second week to play at the SCG. You know, there's no team from Venezuela, from Mexico, from anywhere North America, English team, etc. And and business is booming for these guys. So if we just cast aside thoughts and opinions for a second, whether you think AFL's growing, whether it's slowing, whether it's dying, the age bracket, etc. You know, that's talked about all the time on social media. What I'm trying to do here is draw the comparison of what it is within an almost boutique market, which is Australia. 25 million people as a whole. This sport is able to, dozens of 
support dozens of teams. It's able to support all of this different support stuff and such. Whether you look at esports now, there's only a handful of teams who have, you know, three plus full-time staff who are looking after everything that's going. Still, a lot of these teams rely on volunteers. They relied on low or unpaid or you're looking at freelance work and things like that. So there's still so much support to happen. And what really excites me about that is the abilities for these teams to not only hire staff and grow the whole scene, is to be able to support their players with a lot more things. So talking about in point one, I did talk about education and pathways. So there is that progression of life after esports, quote unquote, that that these teams can can help promote. However, what I would love to see is, you know, players being able to get more salary, players to be able to get some some awesome living conditions and, you know, imagine there becomes a day in esports, which is very likely when you sign with a team that comes with a free free rental house, you know, it comes with a car, it comes with transfers, these kind of things. You know, all, all that kind of stuff's not too far off and part of that is what will help the scene grow so much. Doing a little bit of one-on-one research and talking to a couple of players, something that really struck me as someone who's, you know, played in some kind of top-level teams but has never been a full professional gamer myself is the fact that some of these players really like the support from the team, meaning that they don't have to focus on anything else. So I had a chat to a player that I've sponsored in the past and he said, look, the reason I love being in a team house and being surrounded by all this kind of stuff is not just the support that I get where I get free internet or a free PC or I, you know, I get a free ride into to play my tournaments on the weekends. It's the fact that they can focus fully on the game and not have to think about other things. They're not thinking about when the phone bill's due. They're not thinking about having to clean their room afterwards, what they're making for dinner. Because all those kind of things are covered for them. What they're really thinking about is how can I become better at this game? And they're laser focused on that. And that means that when it does come time to switch off, they have less things to try to switch off afterwards. How many times have you tried to go to bed and you're thinking, oh man, I've got this project running, this project running, etc., etc.? I'm not saying that there isn't stress involved with becoming a professional gamer. There's obviously quite a lot of stress involved. However, they're able to laser focus on the thing that they're doing the best. And I love to use that word that they are the talent. If you look at a completely different scene, you look at the influencer scene. A lot of influencers being YouTubers, um, Twitch streamers, etc., Facebook marketers, what they like to do is create a fantastic brand that they're able to push forward to their fans. And they are able to pick themselves up a manager who can handle all of the business side of things. They can wear the suit, they can go to the meetings, they can sign the contracts because that allows the influencer to be the talent. The influencer is there to serve a purpose of being a fantastic person to, to represent their beliefs and, and also maybe if they want to attach some brands to that. A lot of these influencers, or not a lot, but some of these influencers like to just focus on that one thing. They don't want to have to think about donning a suit, going to interviews, helping out with developing partnership proposals, sponsorship proposals, etc. Granted, those are great things to learn, whether you're doing an influencer stuff or later on in life. However, if you're super busy editing videos and creating fantastic content, there is nothing wrong with picking up a manager to help manage those kind of things. So, you know, we're seeing the development of that in Australia. There's a lot of non-endemic sponsors coming in, endemic sponsors paying more, and a lot of investment coming in. But what really excites me is the gaps for these bigger rounds of investment to come in. 
if you compare us to the US, you know, Australia, as far as their spending habits is is very similar to the US in the enthusiast tech categories. You're you're looking at, you know, the US is two to three rounds of funding ahead of us. We're still very early adopters. And yes, we're getting some fantastic traction here with getting team houses, we're getting full-time employees and such. However, when we're able to get to the point where we're like Team Liquid opening up a massive facility for all of our players to train in across all different games, you know, providing them with, with travel, with team houses, you know, with unlimited gear, hopefully in the future with things like cars and such, we're going to see Australia progress so much more in our performance. And I just can't wait until we see an Australian team win on stage. And I can't wait until we start exporting some Australian people to be CEOs of, of international corporations or we have an international corporation form in Australia, whether it be a tournament organiser, whether it be a team, whether it be a law firm, a PR company or anything like that. It's going to be fantastic for the development. And it's to be said that we definitely punch well above our weight when you're looking at things like cryptocurrency, when you're looking at um, the scrappy startupness of tech. So there's no reason why we can't do that. We can't replicate that success in sport, say AFL, cryptocurrencies, say people like Horizon State and Power and and people like Altissian and such, if you're looking at the tech side of things, there's no reason that we can't replicate that kind of success in esports. And I strongly feel that if we're able to band together and implement a few of these topics I'm talking about today, we can get there in the future. This brings me to part number three, talking about an industry body or association. Now, this is applicable no matter whether you're in esports, whether you're a publisher or developer, take the IGEA or the GDAA, whether you're a social worker working with the Australian Association of Social Workers or many other scenes. It's become evident and quite important that when you're lobbying to government, when you're looking at traditional media and and trying to speak to people of the outside, it's very important to have a body and association which the community agrees with and says, yes, these people represent our best interests. One of the examples I love to use is the Australian Association of Social Workers that I mentioned before. When they conducted a poll a lot of Australians believe that social work is a registered profession as are psychologists. However, that's not the case. A big part of social work trying to be represented and recognised by the government was them to formalise, create the Australian Association of Social Workers, gain a whole lot of members who are in fact social workers themselves to come together and agree, yes, this organisation represents our best interests. So what I'm talking about here is not a grab for power, it's not a grab for someone to provide governance and say this is what happens and when it happens. It's for a body to represent the best interests. If we're going to grow as an eSport, I strongly believe personally that we need to band together whether it be one association, whether it be many associations, it's to come together with a united voice that all of these people agree and say, hey, government, this is what we really want to see as an association to grow. Hey, investor or interested brands, non-endemic, endemic alike, we all agree on these things. This is where we really need help. And it'll help us with a few of the points talking about before. Could you imagine if there was a representative body that was able to go to the education department of Victoria, Tasmania, Western Australia, etc. and say, hey, we have 3,000 members who are high school students of us. They really want to see some more esports at school. Um, we've got some industry learning that we've done here to say that kids who are able to, to play games or participate in esports type activities at school will go to school for longer. They'll study harder. They'll get better performance. Let's say if we're able to gather these kind of things as an association, we can pass it to them. We can pass it off to the government and say, here are some great things that we can push forwards. What's good as well is it gives a collective voice to everyone. So if there is a member-based association that comes up, 
It means that all of the players, the teams and the stakeholders are able to band together and say, this is what we really care about and this is what we should work on together. There's been so many talks behind the scenes for many, many years where there's you know, been kind of what I would say industry leaders coming together and saying, hey, I really think that we should work together on growing the pie. I think that we should try to do these kind of things together. We should let each other know about tournament timings or whether we should let each other know about sponsorships that come up or we should be really open with contract disputes or resolutions if there's one player going to another. And these are just some examples. They're not direct and they haven't all necessarily happened in the recent past, but this is all to give a little bit of information. And you know, when when these kind of people come come together and able to band, it's all about growing that pie. You know, in in the point number two, what I talked about a lot was really going down to it, trying to grow the pie together. We have a boutique market here in Australia. We are, you know, five years behind where the US is at with their massive investments in people like Echo Fox and Team Liquid and you're looking at Optic Gaming, um, et cetera, et cetera. So what we need to do here in Australia is band together grow the pie and try to catch up to them. I think we have fantastic, what I would call, for lack of a better term, mateship in Australia. The esports scene is quite, um, is quite not closed, but they're quite tight-knit. A lot of people discuss things a lot of the time. So if we're able to increase that, and instead of us saying, hey, only we're able to have a voice because we're the ones that own gaming teams or we're the ones that are sponsors, etc. If you can bring this from the bottom up and even allow those people who are 16, 17, 18-year-olds playing League of Legends wanting to go pro one day, if they can vote and say, hey, this is actually what I really care about. Because once again, you know, they are the stakeholders. They're the people that we're trying to increase this scene for. So if you do a little bit of research, you will find that I am part of an industry body. And what I'm trying to do is keep this entirely separate from that in this discussion. And I don't speak for the body that I represent. And for those of you who aren't interested in knowing or don't want to know, I won't state it within this podcast either. This is not a representative of the board of what the company believes in. This is me personally putting forward my emotion and also on behalf of business and games. And what I'm very passionate about here, as you can probably tell in the way that I talk, is growing the whole scene for all of us. I really want esports people to be able to band together. This has happened behind the scenes before. However, sometimes it can be a bit of a boys club, for lack of a better term. It can be a lot of the industry leaders banding together and trying to make decisions without being able to bring all of the parties in. So what I would really love to see in the scene is to have a very bottom-up organization to come in and say, hey, it doesn't matter whether you're 18 years old playing Master Guardian Elite, CSGO on the weekends, wanting to maybe go pro one day, or you own the most successful gaming organization in Australia. You both have agency within this. You both have something to say and you both want to see the scene grow. So if we're able to promote the formalization and the adaptation of representative bodies in Australia, we'll be able to grow esports so much faster. We'll be able to get things like recognition from the Australian Sports Commission. And then it's up to the membership base to vote for what they really care about. So those are three of the main things I personally believe that Australian esports needs to be able to progress to the next level. It's important to reiterate the fact that they're not the only things that are available for people to enter, for people to develop on. Some of these things are being worked on fantastically right now and just need a bit of a nudge and some help. You know, a lot of people listening to this podcast message into me and say, Chris, I'd love to get involved in the scene. I have no idea how. How can I help out? So what I was hoping is that those three things I talked about before, take them to heart. If any of them interest you, feel free to get in touch. You can have a chat on the Oceania Esports and Gaming Business Facebook group to 
put the word out there and and start volunteering start putting your out of out of esports world experience into play there and you never know what will come of it however for those of you who are looking to make a start in the scene this is a question that we get asked quite often at business games as well people come and say hey i'd love a job in esports one day no idea where to start a fantastic piece of advice that was put forward in a Business and Games Mentor Course Q&A tonight by Zach Holman, the General Manager of Avant Garde or Avant Gaming. What he talked about was get involved with the community organisation and start from there. So whether you're looking at volunteering for ESL, say they've got IEM Sydney coming up, they've opened up volunteers, whether you're volunteering for a gaming organisation, helping them out with their social media or a commentary organisation, whether you're looking at Cyber Gamer and, and helping check tickets at the door or helping out with their social media or looking after teams, managing competitions, etc. There are so many different ways to get involved. And what I would add to that is once you've found a community organization that you're interested in, feel free to send them a message, whether it be just a DM on Twitter or you go up to an in-person event and say, hey, you know, this is who I am. It's been fantastic to meet you. Take a look at what they've done in the past. Maybe give them a relevant compliment and say, hey, I really like that campaign you ran for the X brand or I've been playing in your league for a long time and I'd like to get a little bit more involved. And you'll be surprised about how many doors open for you. And from there, if you're looking to progress, what I always suggest in my mentor courses is that start to take more responsibility on for yourself. Using a direct example from what I've done in the past was I was able to be a commentator for Netgame Radio. I was able to notice that they had a little bit of a gap in working with LAN parties. So I, I offered and was approved to be able to start working with LAN parties, promoting them and then promoting us, us providing on casters to them if we could. The marketing manager moved on. So I was able to say, hey, to the management, can I take on this role? You know, I've got a massive interest in that. They said, sure, you can take on a volunteer role as that. And then progressing on and on from there. So whether you're helping out with a team at the start, just doing social media management, whether you're even just replying to DMs, if you can start taking more roles and and more occupation within that, you can start to grow from there. You know, anybody who's working in gaming teams at the start especially those who've been around for a long time, they didn't come in with an MBA saying, I'm going to be employed in this gaming team as the GM, as a COO, as a CEO. However, if you're looking at it from the standpoint that most esports organizations at the moment are startups, which we've talked about in previous episodes, say season one with Nick Tainted Sav, um, you know, we, we talked about a lot of the fact that esports are startups and such. It's, it's nature of startups that people get put into positions that they haven't had experience in before but are able to shine. And that's a fantastic part of the esports industry. There are so many people here who don't have MBAs, who don't have crazy amounts of formal education that have through experience and through some, some very hard work been able to promote themselves within the scene to some high positions and very successfully so. So in saying that, once again, if, if you're looking to enter the scene, just reach out to someone that you really like, reach out to a company you enjoy and ask them if you can volunteer because you'll be surprised what kind of doors open for you. Once again, thank you so much for keeping in touch with Business in Games. Whether you have joined in on our mentor courses, whether you've followed us on Twitter or even liked a single Facebook post, we will be increasing the amount of podcasts coming out for Season 2, upcoming very soon. We'll be having a lot of guests coming on, whether it be local and international, to talk about very topic-based podcasts. So if there is anything specific in the market you'd like covered, whether it's what 
the best mouse is to buy or how to get the most premium sponsorship or create your own gaming team, feel free to get in touch with us. You can send me a message directly at Smithy Mayo on Twitter or email me, chris at businessingames.com. You can tweet Business in Games at Business in Games on facebook.com forward slash Business in Games or comment on anything you've seen here today or discuss with many other people within the esports industry on the Oceania Gaming and Esports Business Facebook group. Once again, thank you so much for joining us today. Season 2 of the Business in Games podcast is brought to you by PLE Computers. Make sure you check them out if you're looking to upgrade or get a complete PC built. They are massive supporters of the local community, whether it be business and games, jam gaming, or many other projects. So make sure you check them out, pop them a like, and tell them that we sent you there. Once again, thank you very much for joining us. My name is Ben Chris, and bye for now.